0: Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together.
1: So this is the day when we open Psalm 122 and that our key verse really from this whole study. I was glad when they said to me, "Let us go to the house of the Lord." You're here. And you're gathered, and you're joining at home online. And this is where we've been doing recording, but it's been empty. And that's, a li- that's so strange. And I, I love that uh, you have gathered today. I'm thankful for our team that has prepared and worked hard so that we're keeping everyone safe. Uh, there's been a lot of work that has gone into behind the scenes and just preparing so that all of the technical things that are way beyond my understanding have been accomplished so that we can worship the Lord and remain growing steadfastly in our walk with the Lord. So highest praise in hardest times. We're in Psalm 122 this morning, and let me ask us the question as we begin, what is the value? What is it worth to have peace? We think about peace, to have peacefulness in your relationships, a a peaceful marriage, you know, where, you, where you're getting along, where you enjoy one another. A peaceful home, where a family enjoys. I love, I've enjoyed, this has been a unique time the last two and a half months, but I've enjoyed sitting with my family, worshiping with them. And then after the sermon ends, after the service ends, We would have our our study guide, our worship guide that is online. You can go to our webpage. It's there. You can download that. You can print that. And we would then talk about the questions, and we would pray together. And I I enjoyed that. That was very meaningful. It was very different. And sometimes um, I would sit there watching the sermon, being, you know, usually me preaching, and it was like, I, w- I would try to help myself preach, you know, like, uh, you know, it's already done, it's recorded, but I, w- I would sit there and just feel like, sometimes Ginger would look at me like, what? what are you doing in your face? And I'm like, I don't know, I'm, I'm just trying to help that guy, that guy needs help. So uh, pray, pray as uh, we preach today, because we don't have uh, Stephen editing anything today, okay? So um, it's just live, and we're here. What would we be willing to have peace? What would we be willing to give to have peace? When we come to the Psalms, and we're in Psalm 122, here's what we do when we come to Bible study. We have to go back, and in this case, we go back 3,000 years. What was the context of the psalmist? The psalmist is David in this case. What was he saying? What did he understand? What was going on in his day? And then we have to come 3,000 years forward. What does this mean for us today? But then we don't stop there. How will this ultimately be fulfilled in the coming future? All right, so past, present, future, that's what we're going to do with these psalms. 3,000 years old, but what does that have to do with us today, and where is our hope? It's anchored in the person and work of Jesus in the future. There's a photo that we have been sharing just the last few weeks as we've entered into this scene, and this is Jerusalem, a modern-day picture. I would love, my longing to actually walk in this city has intensified with this study, to actually see this place. But if you will notice, everywhere going to Jerusalem is up. You have to go up. So we've been looking at this in the Psalms of Ascent. It's like music, and then you take it up another key. Or you sing it up another level, like let's lift our voices a little louder as we sing. Uh, The next picture comes out of my Bible study program, and this is Jerusalem about the time of Herod, about the time of Jesus' birth, and this is the temple. And you'll remember a couple of weeks ago when we were introducing the series, and we talked about David's joy when when he would carry up the ark of God and he would anticipate. So here you have the city of David, and it's lower in elevation than where the temple would ultimately be built. And so ultimately, when the temple would be built by Solomon, uh, it'll zoom in a little bit, then that that Ark of the Covenant would be taken up into the temple. God's glory filled the temple, pushed out just as it did the tabernacle, the priests, and the presence of the Lord filled that place. That was the place where worshipers of Yahweh would gather to hear the word of God, to sing his praises. And even in that temple, there were, I believe there were 15 stairs, and priests and instruments would be on those stairs like a choir loft praising the Lord. Now, this is one of the songs for the journey, Psalm 122, a psalm of peace. Now, I remember as a child, I remember going to visit my grandparents, and we would make that trip. Sometimes we would drive through the night or different times, and I couldn't wait to get there, but every goodbye and every hello ends up with a goodbye. And I think it was Sophie, one of our kids, when we would go and we would visit grandparents and we'd get there, she would be counting down the days we were leaving while we were still on the road getting there. We haven't even gotten there yet. And Sophie's like, oh, how many days are we going to be here? Um, so then I'm like, hang on, we're not even there yet. So let's get there and let's enjoy our time together. But isn't that part of us? We've said hello this morning. We have greeted one another. And with every hello on, in this time frame, on this planet, every hello is ultimately met with a goodbye. Short, for God be with ye. Goodbye. How many people use that? And they, they don't know where that originated from. But there is coming a day when we will not say goodbye anymore. And we will be gathered around the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as these worshipers would be going to Jerusalem, they've been away for months. They're ready to get back. These, these convoys the caravans would grow as people would come and hey you're going to Jerusalem go with us go with us and like a snowball it would just more and more people would gather and the and the songs would become intensified as they were approaching the city of God this reunion this morning I'm glad to see you your faces this is a a little sneak peek of a reunion that will come one day And in that day, we will never say goodbye again. And I'm thankful for the opportunity that we have to worship God this morning. And out of the low points, whatever you are going through, whatever you have been through, or whatever is coming, we can learn from the psalmist to give God our highest praise in the hardest times. Many songs, many of these scriptures were written out of not the mountaintop of everything is great, everything awesome, a lot of time, it's everything difficult, everything's falling apart, everything, it just doesn't make sense. And as we sit here this morning, in our nation at this time, not only have we gone through a time of pandemic that's crushed our economy, economy to some degree, degree, now we're facing our nation being torn apart over racial issues, ethnic issues. Does the word of God have anything to say about this? Absolutely. So, Let's listen to the word of the Lord this morning, exactly what we need. Psalm 122, the psalmist says, David saying, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There, thrones for judgment were set, The thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. That's a word, shalom. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Father, we thank you for your word. Open our eyes, open our hearts to hear, understand, and respond in obedience to your word this morning. May we be receptive to your spirit, give me the words, and help me to encourage the listeners this morning in Jesus' name, amen. In our study so far, we've been through Psalm chapter 120. That's where we saw that the Lord is my deliverer. He is my deliverer. Psalm 121, last Sunday, was the Lord as my helper. That's not a diminishing term. When in the garden, Adam and Eve and God made a helper comparable to him, that was because Adam was lacking. He couldn't do it on his own. He couldn't exist on his own. He needed help. And the Lord is not ashamed to be our helper. It's not diminished by that. He is glad to be known as the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, our help, our helper. To this morning, we see the Lord is my peace. He is our peace. And here's what we want to understand. And in three ways, we're going to see this. When we rest in the reality that the Lord is our peace, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, when he is my peace, then I'll be known. And we're going to look in three areas that we see from the psalmist. This is what we as the people of God will be known for. Number one, we will be known by our passion for God's glory. We will be known by our passion for God's glory. And we see this in the first two verses. Here's a city that was chosen by God. This is where his presence, his worth, his beauty would be elevated, that that his people would carry this message and worship this God so that others would hear and say, who is this God? Your God lives you don't have to carry your God around in a little stone idol or a wood. Your God is the living God, the creator God. How can I know him? How can I worship him? So the psalmist has a passion for God's glory. And we see this where he has a personal delight to be in God's presence. There's a person. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let's go. Let's go to the house of the Lord. And the psalmist is saying, this is personal. I want to worship this God. This is personal to me, and I delight to be in God's presence. I can't wait to be in God's presence. I could hardly sleep last night to know that the Lord's day is coming, and people are coming to worship, and I couldn't wait for this day to get here. It's much better to see you than to see just chairs. This place was a mess, man. We had all kinds of stuff going on in here. We've ripped apart the ceiling a few times. I mean, we've done all kinds of things. To be with you, that's what we're intended for. To be joined by those who are at home online and they're worshiping, we're waiting for the day when they get to to worship with us. The psalmist delighted to be in God's presence. He was filled with joy. Can I ask you the question, who first invited you to worship? Who was the first person who said to you, hey, go with me, go with me to church? Who was the first person and how did you view them? For me, I don't remember that. It was my mom and dad. I just, from the time I was born, you know, I think it was like hospital, delivery room, church. That was stop number two. I don't even know if we went home first, knowing my parents, okay? And that's where we've been. And this is the, that 12 weeks was the longest time I, I've ever not been in church, gathered with the people of God. So strange. How did you view them? Did you kind of respond to them? Leave me alone. When you think I need religion, it's a crutch. Were you upset with them? Did they bother you? Were they annoying to you? Ah, this person I work with or in my family, they just won't leave me alone. Shut up already. I don't want to go. But then you came to know Christ and everything changed. And your heart is inclined, like the psalmist, to delight in God's presence So many times I've heard excuses of invited. Some people are offended. Even members can be offended when they're invited to church. Like, hey, we haven't seen you in a while. Hey, leave me alone. I've got this. You know, I've heard this excuse so many times. You know, Sunday, that's my only day to do whatever, fill in the blank. So God, you just set aside there, this is my day. The problem with that, it's the Lord's day. It's the Lord's day given to us. For Sabbath, to rest, to worship, to reflect on him, to praise him, to gather with his people, to sing songs, to give, to serve. All of these things are incorporated that David is delighted to be in God's presence. What does the writer of Hebrews say in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24? And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. Okay, there are some people we know their habit is Today is my day to whatever, power wash. Right? You hear that going on? Uh, mow my yard. Oh, it's the day, the Lord's day. Next, actually my day to, to you know, tr- trim my bushes, edge my yard. Listen, this is an opportunity for us to gather. So we're not neglecting to meet together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day of Christ's return is drawing near, and we as the people of God, we know this, and we gather with expectation. The Israelites were reminded of God's presence. When when the Lord saw them, he looked on them. He came to Moses in the wilderness, and he met him there in that bush that was burning, and he said, I've heard my people, Moses. I'm going to send you, deliver them. Moses went to Egypt. Pharaoh, Yahweh says, let my people go. And eventually, after all the plagues, they were brought out of Egypt. They were brought to the Red Sea, w- delivered through the Red Sea. It parted. They walked on dry land. They, the Moses met with God on the mountain. Tablets were given. His face was glowing. And the instructions for the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was built, the tent where the Lord would meet with his people. And when that tabernacle was dedicated, the glory of God descended and filled that place and pushed out the priests. The Lord does not need your worship. He does not have to have our worship. But listen, like a father, he desires to meet with us. He desires our worship. He's not so distant and removed from from us that he doesn't care about our worship. He cares about everything. And he loves you. And he wants to meet with you. And so his glory descended on the tabernacle. They carried that tabernacle through the wilderness. They had it there finally in Jerusalem. And then the temple was dedicated. Solomon built the temple. And the same thing at the dedication. The glory of God descended. And the priests were driven out again. They couldn't go in. And God's glory filled that temple. But when... Zerubbabel's temple, the second temple was dedicated. We don't have a record of God's presence coming until in Herod's time, Jesus walks in that temple. And just as it says in John chapter 1 and verse 14, that that what happened to the word made flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, the glory as the, of the only son from the father full of grace and truth. And when Jesus physically walked into that temple, the glory of the Lord walked into that place. Remember what he called it? My house. Another occasion, my father's house and you've turned it into a den of thieves. It's my house. It's a place where people would gather Well, what about the New Testament? We're not going to collect an offering this morning to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. We are receiving offerings to build a place to worship on the corner of 30 Mile and Forest. But where is the sanctuary today? Where's the temple of God? 1 Corinthians 6, we studied this a couple of years ago. Verse 19, Paul says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So we don't call this room a sanctuary because it communicates communicates the wrong theology. It says that this is the holy place and you come in here and you can put on and I can put on different faces of spirituality and then we can walk out back to our lives, my life, what I think, what I do, what I post, where I go, all of those things. If you belong to Christ, he lives right here. This is the sanctuary. So we're to be prepared, pure, holy, that he goes with us. Yes, we've been separated for two and a half months, but we have not been alone. We've not been abandoned. The Lord dwells right here. As we saw last week, he's closer, closer than my shadow. At my right hand is the Lord's presence. Are you thankful for that? Amen. He's with us always. Not only did the psalmist have this great delight, I want to be in God's presence, but he had a pressing desire to worship with God's people. A pressing desire to worship with God's people. In verse 2, it says, Our feet have been standing within your gates, O oh, Jerusalem. Uh, they were standing, they will be standing, or they are standing. Yes. There's such a confidence that as they sing these songs, it's as if they're already there. And when they're there, they're glad to be there. And when they leave and they step outside of those gates of protection, those walls of protection, they are confident that our God who reigns over the city of Jerusalem, he actually reigns over all people, all times, all places. So there's nowhere that we will go that we are alone. So it's like our feet are already there. They're just standing there and we can worship the Lord with confidence. Worship is a personal response, all right? There was a personal desire that the psalmist had. But when we see this pressing desire, this is going to cause him to change his schedule. This is going to cause him to do what he needs to do to gather with God's people. We need to let that instruct us. We love to gather in this place. We don't gather because we have to. I don't want you to hear from this message, yeah, Pastor Wise told me I have to come Every Sunday. Does that sound like your heart has been changed? If you belong to the Lord, then not always do I feel this way, but I want to feel this way always. So I need the word to show me where I'm missing it, where my eyes are taken off the Lord and put onto people or circumstances or even on self. No hope, no help coming from there. The psalmist has a pressing desire to worship with God's people. We get to worship. I'm thankful to gather here this morning. What are we here to do? Hear the word of God proclaimed. That's the number one chief thing, to hear the word of God proclaimed in our hearing, to declare God's supreme worth together, that we can add our voices together to say, he is worthy and we are needy that we can pray together, that we can observe the ordinances together, next week, baptism, the week after that, to participate in communion together, the Lord's table, to serve one another. Beloved, listen to me. If you do not have these desires, then I encourage you, check your heart. Something's not right. If you say, well, that was nice. The psalmist had a pressing desire to worship with God's people, but I don't. Don't, don't move on from there say, God, will you show me what's going on where my love, my affection, my heart has changed? My affections have been misplaced. And allow God to do that work. A few years ago, we went with a college and career group to Cedar Point. And at the end of the day, I mean, we'd have fun all day riding these rides. The last ride that we went on that day, the numbers didn't work out right and I was by strangers on this ride that was great. But I was sitting there with people I didn't know. So I, I wasn't feeling like, you know, talking too much or saying too much or striking up a conversation when you're harnessed in the ride. So we rode the ride and I rode the ride, got off the ride. Then we talked about it. I was like, you guys left me alone. That's no fun at all. That actually wasn't quite as bad as when we went to Marine Land about sixteen years ago, a little over. Uh, at that time, Ginger was pregnant with Sophie, so she couldn't ride roller coasters. When we got to Marineland, how many have been to Marineland? Raise your hand. Anybody? It's in Canada. Okay, not the... Mo- okay, very good. Thank you. Very good. Marineland is in Niagara Falls. And then I looked at it. I said, this will be great. Little mini vacation for the family, you know. We got there. It said it was open on the internet. Ginger's like, I don't think it's open. Go up to the booth and see if they're open. So I got out of the car. I mean, we're like the only car in the parking lot. I go to the booth and I'm like, you open in here? And like, yeah, we're open. I was like, okay. So I went back, we got Ginger, got the stroller, got the, you know, little lunchbox, all that stuff, got Emma, put her in the stroller. I think she was four years old at the time, maybe almost four, three. So there we go. We had personal people with us in the whole thing. Like when we got to the little kid land, there was nobody else in the park. So they would go with us from ride to ride. Which one do you want to ride now? Emma, which one do you want to ride now? I'll go over there. Okay, they would walk with us, unlock the ride, get us on, ride it by ourselves. Now where do you want to go? We'll go over there. Every single show that was going on that day, the dolphin show. Okay, we need a volunteer. We have one. Emma, come on down. We go to the, you know, the, all the animals, everything was like, you know, come on in. We need help. And they were training their apprentices So it was an opportunity for them to teach someone else how to give the show, train the animals, interact with people. Everywhere we went, it was like a personal park. Now, that was all good until we got to the roller coaster. The roller coaster, I'm like, oh, I might as well ride the roller coaster. Ginger's like, okay, I'll wait with Emma out here. I walk in the long way, all the way in, all through the little zigzags. Get inside the place. There's nobody in there. There's the two people. there in the office. I was like, hello. They come out. Can I ride? Sure. Where you want to sit? Uh, front. Okay. Get in. Lock me in. I'm riding this ride feeling like a complete dork. You know, I'm all by myself. I could see Ginger out there with Emma and I'm like waving. There's nobody in the park and I'm all by myself and I get off that ride and I'm like, that was really stupid. That was so lame. I'm missing people. I mean, it's been great and I'm thankful for technology, but I'm telling you, I love you way more than the chairs that you're sitting on. I love being with you and singing with you and hearing God's words and we're meant for community. We're meant to share life together and there are risks in sharing life, but it's worth it. It's no fun. Take my word. If you never have the opportunity, it's no fun to ride a roller coaster by yourself. It's just empty. It's missing something. People. What really matters is the people. Oh, that we would be known with a passion for God's glory. Secondly, praise for God's works. Oh, God is faithful. He is working. The psalmist knew this. Verses three through five, we see that there's a divine place that was chosen by the Lord, and this is Jerusalem. And it says it's built as a city that is bound firmly together. This is a place chosen by God. This is where the Israelites to worship the living God in the appropriate manner. Beloved, it's not just okay to say, well, I worship the right God, the creator of heaven and earth. We must worship in the right way. You have to worship the right God the right way. And when Israel was separated and Rehoboam, and that interaction with Jeroboam, and the 10 tribes broke away. You had King Saul, 40 years. King David, 40 years. King Solomon, 40 years. The rightful heir to the throne. And then Rehoboam, his son, became king, and the northern ten tribes cut ties, left, and Jeroboam reigned over northern, the northern kingdom. Southern kingdom, Judah. Northern kingdom, Israel. Ten tribes. Jeroboam said, hmm, I don't want people going to Jerusalem. Because if they go to Jerusalem, they're going to hear the word of God. If they hear the word of God, they're going to hear the covenant with David that only his error is to reign. And I'm not. So here's what he did. He created two alternate locations to worship, Dan and Bethel. Um, That's in 1 Kings 12, verse 29. So he said, hey, you don't have to go so far. That's a difficult trip. You don't need to make that trip. Just stay closer to home. Here's your places to worship. And if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see these are the sins of Jeroboam. He caused Israel to sin. He said, what God said, you don't have to do that. Just go here. I'm the king. Listen to me. Go here. Go there. And that's the sins of Jeroboam. He caused his people to sin. In the Old Testament, Jerusalem was built. In David's time, the the, the temple wasn't built yet. That would come in Solomon's time. But he's seeing the city as an established city. It's not just thrown together, and it's not just a bunch of tents. It's a city with architecture and design and it's a beautiful city and it's fitting for the God who has placed his name there to be worshiped in this place. Martin Luther said this, he said, the true beauty of the temple was because in that place the people heard the word of the Lord called upon his name, found him merciful, giving peace and remission of sins. They would go to hear the word. Our hearts condemn us, my beloved, don't they? They tell us we're not, we're not all that we should be. If we listen to the news and we watch, we see our world isn't what it's supposed to be. It's broken, it's fallen, it's messed up. Where do we go? We must hear the word of the living God. Oh, that God's word would shape our thinking and shape everything about us. In the New Testament, the temple was where Jesus was presented. Eight days old, Barry and Joseph brought him there. They, they presented him in the temp- temple. He was dedicated there. He would teach there. Twelve years old, they would sit there and be mesmerized at the wisdom that a 12-year-old, who's 12 in the, in, do we have anybody 12 years old in here today? Lincoln's 12, okay? So just imagine Lincoln just, Lincoln just overwhelming us with knowledge and wisdom. That's what Jesus did in the temple And then he went home with his parents, and he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And then he would come, and about the age of 30, he would teach, and people would listen, and he would confront. And the word, and the people would say, we've never heard anybody teach like this before. He teaches with authority, not like the scribes and the Pharisees. They're always quoting somebody else, quoting somebody else. He speaks with authority. And then he would be from that place put out and he would be crucified. Peter would understand this. Listen to what, in the New Testament, as Peter would talk about it, First Peter 2, he talks about how we're a church, we're built together. I'm gonna to come back to that in just a second, but I want you to listen to what Spurgeon says. He says, a church should be one in creed and one in heart, one in testimony and one in service, one in aspiration and one in sympathy they greatly injure our jerusalem who would build dividing walls within her she talking of the church needs compacting not dividing this is what peter came to understand and in 1 peter 2 i just have verse 5 that will come on the screen there's so many more verses there You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter was there when the disciples asked the question. When they looked across the hillside, they saw the temple. They said, Jesus, isn't that temple beautiful? Isn't that amazing? And Jesus would turn and say, it's all coming down talking about AD 70 when Rome leveled the temple. It's all coming down. In John chapter four, Jesus would meet with the woman at the well and she would ask the question, where are we supposed to worship? We're supposed to worship over here where our fathers say or over in Jerusalem where your father's say?" And you remember we study this. Jesus said that, that it's not about the place. The father is seeking, the hour is coming. The father is seeking those who worship in spirit and in truth. The father is seeking worshipers he's seeking you this morning. Comprehend your beautiful place in the building project of God, which is the church. When it comes to our world, the brokenness, the hurt, God's plan for healing and peace is the church. And there is no plan B. Not only a divine place, but a divine people. The descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were chosen They were chosen to be God's channel of his blessing to the world. And we see here the tribes of Israel. The tribes, talking about the tribes, the tribes and Israel. Yeah, there were 12 tribes, but really they were one. They were a divine people. In the Old Testament, they would go out and say, "You come worship, come to Jerusalem, come to the temple. The queen of Sheba would come and say, whoa, I don't even have breath in me when I see the beauty of this place. And she would understand the wisdom of Solomon. She said, the half has not been told of me. In the New Testament, Jesus said, go from here. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth, go tell. Old Testament, come see. New Testament, go tell. Take this message everywhere you go for a divine purpose. We see this, a divine purpose, that they would come as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. This is a divine purpose. Purpose, that'll come up on the screen. A divine purpose. The chief end of man is what? To glorify God and to enjoy him, how long? Forever. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Our divine purpose, praising God. So people would be praising God on the way, they would get there and they would lift their voices in praise to the Lord, giving thanks to the name of the Lord. And as they think about the Lord, they think about his work, we see a divine prince. Here we see the Davidic covenant was fulfilled ultimately in Jesus Christ. And in verse 5, the psalmist David says there in Jerusalem, thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. That's what Jeroboam didn't want to hear. Are you a descendant of David? No, leave me alone. Worship here and here. I'm your king know your place, but you're not God. And we worship God, not a king, nor anyone else in a politically elected position. Worship is reserved for God alone. Solomon was the rightful heir to the throne. He would reign for 40 years. People could bring their matters to the king, their king, I wanna see my king. I've got an issue, I have a matter, I have a concern. Think about it as the children of God. We could take every matter to the throne, and at the right hand of the throne is an advocate. It's Jesus Christ, the righteous one. In 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 18, the covenant was reestablished at the dedication of the temple when the Lord confirmed and reaffirmed with Solomon, I will establish your royal throne as I covenanted with David, your father, saying, you shall not lack a man to rule Israel. This is an eternal kingdom, and that's why we get to Jesus. You remember how Jesus would ask his enemies about David saying, my Lord, said to my Lord, and he would ask him that question, who's greater, David or his descendant? Hmm, that's a real difficult question unless you believe that Jesus is Messiah, the rightful heir of the Davidic throne, which is what exactly what the Bible says of him. Now, when Jesus came, and he came not many days before he would be betrayed, arrested, and crucified. And he came up over the, the, the hill, and he looked over the city of Jerusalem. It was after the triumphal entry. He looks over the city, and was there ever a city more divided Then Jerusalem, they had racial tension between the Romans, the Jews. There was the issue of slavery. What was Jesus' answer to this? Listen to his prayer, and then think of it this way. Does Jesus' disposition to brokenness, rebellion, and all types of people, groups being against each other, do, do I sound like him? he came up and remember we read in the Psalm, Jerusalem, at the end of verse two, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, verse three. Remember I said a few weeks ago that Jesus knew these songs. With his family, he would have sung these songs. And when Jesus looks over the city, listen to what he says in Matthew 23, verse 37. Oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem. That song is coming out in this prayer the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers who brood under her wings and you were not willing. As Jesus looks over the city, his heart is moved with love and compassion and brokenness. And he doesn't say, come on, guys, let's go run the emperor out. Let's run out the Romans, and let's get this thing politically right, and let's make this thing all right. No, he says judgment is coming. And like a mother hen, how many times I have longed to invite you into my protection. Come, get under my wings. Judgment is about to fall, righteous wrath on our sin. And Jesus, as a mother hen, took the full wrath of God that is headed, should be headed to you and me, and he bore that for us. He bore that for me. So that anyone who hides under the shelter of his wing, The judgment fell on him so that it doesn't have to fall on us. But for anyone who says, I will not have this man reign over me, they're rejecting. Do you hear the heart of the Lord Jesus looking over a split, filled, horrible, violent city at that point? The city that was about to put him to death. And what does he say? I'm going to lay down my life for you. He prays over the city. Jerusalem was central to the worship of God, his word and his work in the world, but his people failed so often, most vividly when they said, crucify him, crucify him. Give us Barabbas and let him be crucified. Oh, that we would be known like the psalmist, our our passion for God's glory and our praise for God's works. And lastly, we see in verses six through nine, our prayer for God's will, our prayer for God's will. For God's will. In verses six through nine, the psalmist says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I will lift prayers of peace for God's city. We're going to see this in this last section how we pray, how we talk, and what we do. They matter to God, those three areas our prayers, our conversation our actions. And the psalmist says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace, shalom, be within your walls, and security within your towers. The city of Jerusalem, there's a graphic that's going to come on the screen, and it's not to test your vision, okay? That's like, that'll be like your worst nightmare. Like, go ahead, you know, read line seven. This is the history of Jerusalem. Got this off Wikipedia. This is how many times the city has changed hands. Uh, The city of peace. And Jesus would be killed in this city, outside the gates. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we're thinking, um, you ever pray and it feels like the answers aren't ever coming? Look at that. We're commanded to pray, and it looks like, can we really trust God's word? Is it really going to happen? Yes. It absolutely will. Our hope isn't in the physical location of Jerusalem this morning. Our hope is not in Lansing. Our hope is not in Washington. Our hope has a a future perspective toward it. Right now, the city of Jerusalem, the three major religions of the world, Judaism, Christianity, Islam. And those three in that city, the city's divided. They don't get along well. How will that ever be made right? Listen to what Revelation 3.12 says. The one who conquers, it'll come up on the screen. Revelation 3.12 The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. This day is coming. So our hope is not here. So beloved, maybe political unrest actually serves in the sovereign hand of God to teach us this world is not our home. Don't put all your eggs in the basket of earth. Because there's a day coming and a new Jerusalem coming. Are we preparing and seeing that others are prepared and ready for this day? So I will lift prayers of peace for God's city. I will secondly speak words of peace for God's people. We're going to talk differently. Verse eight, for my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you, shalom. I want the peace of others. It's an others focus, not self. Well, I don't like this, and I don't like that, and I don't like what the governor said. I don't like what the president said. I don't this, I don't that. I don't think, can we please allow our eyes to be lifted to the God who made the heaven and earth? Are we just adding more noise and more posts and more fodder that has nothing to do with the gospel I will speak words of peace for God's people because often God's people are most egregious towards God's people. Toward people that we call brothers and sisters in Christ and we just don't know anything about forgiveness. We don't know how to work it out. We don't speak peaceably. Does our voice, do our post on social media sound look differently than everybody else? They ought to. They ought to. When Jerusalem was at peace, the people of God, were that was good. Because the word of God would be proclaimed. It is for the good of every Christian and every man in the world that there's a righteous peace in the church, and we have to strive for peace. This has to be not we, but this is I will speak words of peace. You, as a believer, as a member of grace, if you are a member of grace... By God's grace, this has to be your prayer. I will speak words of peace. That'll be what I choose to do. David's delight was in promoting peace within the city of Jerusalem for the blessing of God's people and all people. Do you know, he wanted to build the temple and Nathan said, go for it. And then the Lord said to Nathan when he was leaving the palace, hey, Nathan, I I said, um, no, that wasn't me. Go back and tell him he can't. His hands are too bloody. His son will build it. David could have gotten mad when this man said, Hey, king, you can't do what you want to do. God said, No. What did David do? A king would have a treasury, he would have a chest, and in that chest would be riches enough riches that if he lost the kingdom, the kingdom fell, he could flee with his group, his entourage, and he could live like a king the rest of his life. So when David was told no, he said, Okay. It's the word of the Lord. I'm good with that. So here, take my everything, my recourse, and I'm giving it so that my son will have the seed offering for that building, the temple for the worship of God. There are some people even doing that now, that you are giving so that the ministry will go forward for a generation that you and I may not live to see, to worship because God is worthy. God is worthy. So beloved, how should we speak? Some of you, some of us, I've been there, and we were raised in families that said things very inappropriate, very sinful, very wrong about people of different color skin. And we grew up and we heard that, well, that's just uncle whoever, well, that's just grandpa whoever, and he just says those things. And some of those people confusingly claim to name the name of Christ. But as we've already seen, how did Jesus look upon a city that was divided racially? He wept over the city. So if I'm not weeping over the hurts and the brokenness experienced by people of different color skin or from different places than I've been, am I adding to the noise? Am I adding to the problem? Or perhaps through repentance repentance, and forgiveness, we will realize that when we see people made in in the image of God who have a different color skin, speak differently than we do, like different foods than we do, come from different parts of the world than we do, but they're made in the image of God, they're loved by God, and we name the name of Christ. If we as believers don't sound differently than other people, then what good are we? This sin must be confronted here in our own hearts first, in our own church first. Do we have a good representation of ministering to people of all ethnicities this morning? No. Maybe by watching from various places we do, maybe through ministries we do, and this is where God has placed us, but our heart ought never to get to the place to where we justify sin and we justify racism and we justify wrongs because that's how we've always seen it. That's how we've always said it. That's how we've always done it. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong. And we have to come to terms with that. I'm the male deliverer. I'm just delivering the message. It comes to you to hear the message and respond do you speak words of peace? Is your mouth used to build up others or tear down? That's the question. And lastly, we're not going to just stay in praying and speaking, but we see this from the psalmist in verse 9 For the sake of the house of the Lord our, our God, I will seek your good. I will do actions of peace for God's glory. We have to do something. Yes, we need to pray. Yes, we need to say the right things, the biblical things, but we are not content to stop there. We're to put our money where our mouth is. We're to back it up with deeds of loving action that when we see somebody who's across the political aisle, we say, this is my opportunity to show love and grace and mercy. When we see someone whose skin is different than ours, this is what I was born for. This is what we're here for. We ought not need a lecture from a politician or from an athlete or from anyone else because we have the word of the living God. And maybe you can tell I'm passionate about this because this is a problem that more violence and more wrath and more anger and more hatred will not solve this dilemma in our nation and people's lives are being ended and livelihoods are being destroyed because everybody is talking so loudly of what they think and they're missing our only hope, which is Jesus. Are you with me? Maybe this is painful. Because I think it gets all of us. Who, here can, who is here that can say, I've never offended God in this, and I've never transgressed God in looking at someone or looking down at my nose at somebody who's from a, a different uh, financial position than I am or whatever it may be. Oh, may God help us. And may we as a church do something Posting online is not doing anything. Find somebody who's a person and love them. Serve them. Stop the noise. Be the hands and feet of Christ. I'm I'm imploring you, I'm I'm not mad. I'm saying we're here, we were born for this. And it's not for the glory of America. It's for the glory of Jesus Christ. And if we don't get that, what does it take to get our attention? A pandemic and we haven't been able to meet in two and a half months? Cities being burned up right now. What is it that will get our attention? I think that God will use this. I'm trusting that he will. He's using it in my life. I'm praying that he uses it in your life. And we learn does this psalm from 3,000 years ago have anything for us today? You bet you it does. It has everything to do with what we say, how we pray, and for the love of God and his church and his glory, what we do. Our actions. We're never going to get away from Matthew five sixteen, beloved. And Jesus says this, in the same way, let your light shine. Let your light shine Shine before others so they may, may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. So I'm challenging you. If that post doesn't shine the glory of Christ, if that word, if that title, if that phrase over a people is not glorifying to God, if Jesus was sitting there with you, well, I'm not sure what he would do. Read the Bible, it's clear. He wept and died for a city. Oh, that we would have his heart. so that it all goes to the glory of God. Not your glory, not my glory, not our church's glory, the glory of God in Christ. Here's the summary. If I get this, okay, it's, it's a reason why I use this, when we rest. Okay, that means I'm putting my full weight down, that God is my peace. He's not 90-10, it's not 80-20. God is my peace. If I come to terms with God is my peace, then I can't find it anywhere else. When he is my peace, then here's what we're gonna be known for. Here's what I will be known for. Here's what you will be known for. We will be passionate passionate for God's glory. We will give praise for God's works and we will always offer prayer for God's will. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven that's our prayer. May everything in our lives be devoted to that, to that end. Now, here's our questions, all right? We've been going through these questions. I've enjoyed being with our family, talking about these questions, praying about these questions over the last uh, weeks. What is our next step? Question number one, okay, these are all online as well. Why is it impossible for me to want God's glory and my glory simultaneously? I cannot be passionate for God's glory and my glory. Why not? Take that question over lunch this afternoon, talk about it. Why is it like a teeter-totter? You can't have both sides go up. That's just a broken teeter-totter, and usually they both go down. God's glory or my glory, which is it? And why can't we just do both? Second question is this. What do you find encouraging that God's plan to build his church Involves you, me. That's his plan A, you. He doesn't have to have us. He wants to use us. And the third question is this. It's an action step. So what do we need to do? What are these action steps? How do my prayers need to change? What's been wrong with my conversation, my talk, how I talk about people? What needs to change there? And then thirdly is my actions. What do I need to do in response to the word of God? I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord because this is where our thinking gets fixed because it's God's word and he made you and we will stand before him one day. Are you ready for that day? Do you have peace with God? It only is found in Jesus. Turn from your sin and trust in the Lord Jesus. That's the only way to have peace. And if we have peace with God, then we are peacemakers with all who are around us. Father, thank you for your word. Oh, thank you for your church. Thank you for bringing us together into this place today, Lord. We worship you. We need you. We cannot live without you. God, you are our peace. So as, as we lift up together with hearts that are united, our nation right now, our community, Lord, marriages that are struggling We know of some, you know of all things, Lord. We think about our communities, we think about our state, we think about our nation and world, and we're broken, Lord, we're desperately needy for you. So God, let us catch a vision of what you would want us to do and how we can serve and not just add to the noise, but let our hands, let our feet, let our lips be used to glorify you so that men will see our good works and glorify you, our Father in heaven. And it's all for the glory and the praise of Jesus, Messiah, our Savior. In whose name we pray, amen.
0: Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. Please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.